0: And welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet. Now, can you hear that in the background? Because I know you missed it almost as much as I did, but yes, indeedy. That is the sound of the ocean. And it's a little chilly, maybe, but that's okay. I don't care. Whether it's freezing cold, or hot, or chilly, or... I just love the ocean. Get me near the ocean, baby. It's been a long time, so you know that I'm happy. Because I'm getting my solar plexus full of ocean energy. The smell, the excitement. You know, all of us folks who grew up near the water, you know what I mean. You're on dry land too long, and, you know, it just starts feeling a little bit wrong. Anyway... I don't want you to feel bad if you're not near the ocean. So just kind of listen to the sound and feel the vibe and get the power and the fury of the wild and crashing ocean. It's exciting. Anyway, so we just had Valentine's Day. This is a post-Valentine's Day moment for me and for you as well. Valentine's Day is kind of an interesting creature most of my adult life when i was in a relationship i felt all of this pressure to have a romantic valentine's day i mean it had to be perfect we had to go out and go to an expensive restaurant or even a cheap restaurant that would suddenly be expensive on valentine's day and all of this pressure to have the perfect meal and the glass of champagne and the chocolate and the strawberries and the flowers and so much pressure and somehow the pressure of having the perfect valentine's day might be the reason that i had a lot of really crappy valentine's days and when valentine's day would roll around and i did not have anyone to spend it with i did not have a significant other or a lover or a girlfriend or you know whatever i had then that was even worse then it was a sad depressing thing And I would either stay home and watch TV about love movies and feel sad and depressed that I didn't have one, or I'd go out with my single friends and we'd all feel sad and depressed that we didn't have someone. You know, it's like all this pressure at Chazerai. Why, why, why do that? So, and then I wound up very often on Valentine's Day having fights with people I was going out with. So there'd be all this pressure, and I guess I put pressure on them that they didn't make a reservation so we had to wait an hour to get dinner or that they didn't get me any present or didn't get a card or a flower or chocolate or, you know, whatever. We'd wind up having a fight. Meanwhile, if it could have just been any other day of the year, let's just take away all that pressure and just have it be one day dedicated to sharing love. And that's it. That's the only requirement for Valentine's Day, that you share love. And if you don't have a lover or a wife or a husband or a spouse or any of those things, you just share love anyway. Share love with your dog, with your cat, with your neighbor. Share love with the mailman or mailwoman. You know, it's a lot less pressure if that could be the only requirement to share a little love. Think of all the fights that happen on Valentine's Day. Forget about it. Hmm. I'm sipping my Covassier. I am because I didn't have any tequila. So, and you know, I'm kind of getting into it. Eh, I think I still prefer tequila, but I'm listening to the ocean and I would say I'm looking at the ocean except that it's black and it's dark. I can kind of see a little bit of the frothing waves, but I'm getting that great ocean energy. And I'm sharing it with you because I care about you. Because on Valentine's Day, I want to share love. And that's how I'm sharing love. So, over the years, I kind of let go of the pressure. You know Okay, yes, I've been in a relationship with a lovely person. So that's a nice thing to feel grateful for, of course. But, I mean, I let go of the pressure on Valentine's Day. My girlfriend did a beautiful thing this Valentine's Day or day or two before, she bought me a gorgeous bouquet of flowers. I didn't expect it. And it's beautiful. And it's sitting on the kitchen table. And every time I look at it, I know that she loves me. And she got me gorgeous flowers. But that was the end of the pressure. And you know, let it all go. And so what I'm lucky, it's wonderful, but no more pressure. So when Valentine's Day rolled around this year, we talked about Should we make a reservation at a restaurant? Well, of course, it'll be expensive, it'll be crowded, there'll be all this pressure. Should we try to prepare a perfect meal with the obligatory glass of champagne? You know, we started talking that way and nothing seemed to be sitting right. And in fact, my girlfriend said, you know what we should do? We should go over and just spend the day and the evening with my sister with her wonderful sister, Vivi, who I love and adore and talk about all the time. And uh, it happened this particular Valentine's Day. Vivi was going to be alone. She normally is surrounded by family and hubby and everything else, but this particular Valentine's Day, she wasn't going to be so. Well, we decided that's the perfect way to spend Valentine's Day. And so we went and we had a fabulous day with Vivi we, you know, enjoyed the day. We walked. We played with her adorable little doggie that we love, Fiona, who I call Fifi. I call her, actually, I call Fiona Fifi La Piu because sometimes she makes some little poo-poos that are aromatic, shall we say. But anyway, I digress. So the point is we wound up having this great day and this great dinner, and it was a whole day full of love, and we went home in a good mood. We had a fabulous meal. We were well-fed and really had a great time. And we didn't spend $5 million on some stuck-up restaurant with overpriced food and cheap chocolate, you know. And not that I don't believe in supporting restaurants, but, you know, that pressure. Anyway, it sort of went back to what I'm talking about. It was just all about love. And we shared a lot of love with Vivi. We shared some great food. We left in a great mood, there was no fight, no pressure, no hasarai. And so how about if we just redo the whole Valentine's thing? Get rid of the pressure. Get rid of the hasarai, and just have it be about love and kindness. Mmm, mmm. Wow, that was good. Okay. And cavassier, like I just drank. So, you know, also thinking about food there's a lot of pressure on food sometimes like I've had food in my life tell me if you've had this experience where I could feel the pressure put on the food have you seen that movie the menu with Ray Fines? you got to go watch this movie but it's like this you know really stuck up five star chef on his private island and he gets all these horrifying people on the island and just proceeds to torture them and everyone else you know it's I don't want to ruin it for you but the interesting thing was that here's this five-star chef in this five-star resort on this uppity island for this million-dollar meal. And there wasn't a single thing he served anyone that seemed remotely palatable. It was all so pretentious. Lots of pea things. Pretentious, not palatable. It wasn't anything that made you salivate. It wasn't anything you wanted to enjoy. It was just all of this very stuck-up, cold, pretentious food that you could feel the pain and the obsession and the pressure around it. And yet, towards the end of the movie, this isn't ruining the movie, if I tell you this, um, he made a cheeseburger, an all-American cheeseburger with American cheese. I have never wanted to eat anything in my life so much as I wanted to eat a burger when I'm watching it in this movie. As a matter of fact, my girlfriend and I ran out and we just ran all around the neighborhood looking for a burger. We had to have a burger. It just was laced with juicy, awesome love. You know, it was something you could grab hold of. So just think about it. How many times have you gone out to dinner and you had food that was well presented and the waiter certainly seemed to think you should be so lucky to be there and it costs a fortune. and Everything was just so lovely. And yet... It just felt hard. It didn't feel like it. love was was put into it. It felt like there had been pressure. Maybe the person who cooked it was just obsessed and and stressed out and miserable. And maybe the person who cooked it had no love in their life, you know. But food wants love too. So just the same way Valentine's Day, you got to let go of the pressure. You have someone you love. Yes, of course. Bring them chocolate, bring them flowers, have a great Valentine's Day, do everything you want to do, but let loosen it up, let it go. Don't put so much pressure on it. And the same thing with food. You want to make a beautiful meal, just love it a little bit. Don't sit there agonizing and killing yourself. You know, you can taste that kind of pain. So for instance, the meal that Lila and I had at Vivi's was delicious and it felt great, and it tasted great, and we felt great after, and it was so simple. Spectacularly simple. Vivi picked up some boneless chicken thighs, and uh, well, they weren't actually boneless. Were they boneless? Nope. They weren't actually boneless. But she picked up some chicken thighs and some drumsticks, and then I made a quick marinade. She always has beautiful olive oil. Having a great olive oil is a blessing in life, and you really can taste the difference. But I put some olive oil in a bowl and I whisked in paprika and tagine have you ever tried that t-a-j-i-n now I got that for making Mexican market corn which is a fabulous thing but it's a great seasoning it has kind of a limey latin flavor it's gorgeous and Vivi happens to be in love with it and had some tagine so put some tagine in I put some ground mustard powder in I put some salt, some garlic salt too, which we love. And what else? I gave it something else. Um, Oh, I, I whisked in, you know, I love my little white trash secret ingredients, but I whisked in some A1 steak sauce and a little mustard. Made this great marinade. Tossed the chicken up in that. Put it in a baking dish. V has a great oven. Turned it at 375, put it in the oven. And then Vivi... She is like the queen of vegetables. She makes a string bean that I can't tell you. It's, I really don't know how she makes it. I, I think she just slowly cooks it um, in liquid, mostly maybe chicken stock and a, a little bit of water and garlic and salt and pepper. Slow, slow, slow. So it's like you put it in your mouth. It disintegrates in your mouth. It's so delicious. I will get the recipe and I will share it with you. I promise. I don't have it right now, except that it's like a slowly poached string bean that you don't need teeth to eat. And every time I have it, I have it, I get seconds and thirds. I'm like a big pig about it. But the broth that it's cooked in is so delicious that I'll take the broth and pour it over everything else I'm eating. Pasta, you name it. So Vivi um, made some zucchini, which is probably, that's probably my least favorite vegetable. I mean, it's okay, but It's like on the bottom list for me. Well, I don't like red beets either, but that's always because I think I'm dying the next morning of some sort of internal hemorrhaging. But um, I'll let you use your imagination on that one. But so with the zucchini, it has a little bit of a bitter edge to it. I'm never so crazy about it. But Vivi sliced it up. Instead of doing half moons like we do or circles or big chunk or all the different shapes you're used to for a zucchini, she kind of just went lengthwise in these quarter inch thick, lengthwise slices. And then she just tossed it up in that beautiful olive oil. And she seasoned it up. It looked to be salt and pepper, garlic. She might have put a little paprika on it, laid it out on a sheet pan, put it in the oven at 375. Simple. And cooked it till it had an enormous amount of color on it. And it was, but it was still soft. Not like crunchy kitty, It was still soft. And then I whipped up a salad with some baby lettuces and some shredded carrots. And made a gorgeous salad. I Chopped up some cucumber. I made a dressing out of some of that beautiful olive oil. You can't get enough of it. I could just drink it with a straw, to tell you the truth. And this gorgeous, deep, dark balsamic vinegar that she had. I whisked that up. That's a hard word to say. Whisk whisk is hard to say but whisked with the ed that's a hard that's a tongue twister i whisked there i've done it i whisked it up and i also um stirred in a little bit of mustard because you can never have enough mustard and it had a nice great flavor and i just wanted to bump it up a little more and i stirred in a little bit of gluten-free tamari made kind of a nice full rounded dressing And so the chicken took, we had about a half hour. And I thought it'd be nice to have a little color. So we cranked it up to 400. It gave it a little bit of color. And it was done, I think it might have been about 40 minutes or 45 minutes. I wasn't really paying attention. But it just was beautiful. And so we had the gorgeous chicken and all of the juice that came out of the chicken poured over the chicken for the sauce. And the gorgeous zucchini, which tasted delicious and a big giant salad and there it was just a simple perfect healthy yummy valentine's dinner it was actually very healthy because we didn't have any pasta we didn't have bread we didn't have all the carbs not that there's anything wrong with it but it just happened that we didn't need it, it was enough food we were stuffed we loved it and um the ladies had a little bit of wine i had a little prosecco because i'm a bubbly kind of girl And what we had a lot of was love. Love for each other. Love for Fifi LaPiu. And after we had the beautiful meal, we went out with Fifi LaPiu so she could live up to her name. And, you know, I thought that was the lesson of Valentine's Day. Not all that pressure all the time for romance. I mean, romance is a great thing. But just sharing some kindness and love is also a great thing. To me, I thought... There was a lesson in that. Like we, we could have gone out to any number of restaurants that had a huge crowd and had these prefixed Valentine's meals, and you know done the usual thing, and all would have felt a little bit artificial. Instead, we were just happy and comfortable, and eating great food and not spending a hundred million dollars, which is also nice. And sharing love. So, how about this next Valentine's Day, whether or not you have a honey bear in your life, just have it be a day about love. Like if you're gonna go out to dinner, well fine, I don't wanna talk you out of it, but don't have, don't have all that pressure. Mm. Mm. Oh my God, that Cavassier is so good. I know, I still love you tequila, but I just have to say, that was yummy. So I'm drinking with you, you're hearing the ocean, I'm talking about love. It's almost like we're having a relationship, right? But I think about food the same way. Like I think about some meals that I've made professionally and personally, where I sort of put too much pressure on myself. And I put so much pressure on myself, maybe I had someone I was trying to impress. And put so much pressure on myself that I was not at all enjoying preparing the meal. I felt nervous and uncomfortable. I couldn't wait for it to be over. I remember working in restaurants, and, you know, honestly, I far prefer catering to restaurants, but I remember working in restaurants like when we knew a restaurant critic was coming and just, you know, cracking the whip and having everyone be nothing I'm. You know, I'm, a mean, I'm not a mean boss. I'm a sweetie pie. But just like, come on, come on. You know, all that nervousness and adrenaline and fear and pressure. No one's having a good time because we were, we were told a restaurant critic was coming. This is a funny story, actually. There was probably the most famous restaurant critic I have ever heard of um, in New York, a woman named Gail Green, who passed away not so long ago, really. And... She could make or break a career. She could make or break a restaurant. She wielded a lot of power. And she always liked to kind of have someone set up to be the one that she stabbed in the kishka. So maybe she'd write about three restaurants, and two of them would get a great review, and then the third one, she would just... Oh, she was merciless. And I remember thinking, actually, the woman who... um, got the kibosh in the movie The Menu. I wondered if she might have been based on Gail Green, but um, you know, that's what she did for a living, so I, I just liked that she have to be so mean when she gave a bad review? I don't know. I don't know. I guess you have to write bad reviews, too, if you're a restaurant reviewer, but um, restaurants lived in terror of having Gail come in and write a bad review. So I had been a chef at a supper club called the Amazon Club. This rich guy, this rich Israeli guy actually, had this bright idea. Because back then, there just was no place to go outside in the summer in New York City. You know, if you had a place to be outside in the summer, wow, you know. But he had this great idea to take an entire pier in Tribeca, dump a bunch of sand on it and a bunch of pine trees, uh, palm trees, sorry, and turned it into like a Brazilian rainforest. And he thought, oh, we'll have music and we'll have booze and we'll have palm trees and sand and the volleyball net, the whole thing. And so he didn't think very many people would come there to eat. And the kitchen was just in a trailer, like maybe you would cook for a film shoot in this trailer. Well, the next thing you know, a thousand people a day, or thousands, and just the line was down the West Side Highway were coming. And it was crazy. It was a crazy experience. And I actually didn't start off as a chef. They brought me in because they started doing private parties. And I came in as the catering chef. But while I was there, the first chef had a nervous breakdown, literally, and had to be taken away in an ambulance. And the next chef quit because he was just too tired of being miserable. And the sous chef quit for the same reason. And so I inherited the job as of the chef, sous chef, and catering chef. It was probably the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And it was just about trying to survive it. Well, so, and I survived it, and I'm glad I did. And it was a great experience, even though it was painful and terrible and horrible, too. Well, after that, I started getting, like, a little, a little bit of this thing called, you know, I guess, fame. You know, because I got... In the paper, and I got written up and things like that. It was, I mean, you know, back then I was like excited. You know, it's really exciting to see my name in the paper and as a chef. You know, it was a big deal. And so then I got hired to open up a German Nouvelle supper club. Well, the, the idea might have been okay, it was not the right time for it. Nobody wanted German Nouvelle food in a supper club. They wanted to go to a supper club and have burgers. You know, they didn't want to go to a supper club and have. Betzel and, you know, Bratwurst and things like that. So I came up with a menu that I thought maybe people who were dancing in a nightclub would still eat, you know. Like, um, we did the burger on a Kaiser roll and called it a Wunderburger. And we did um which is like the German noodle with Alfredo sauce and called it Spetzel Alfredo. You know, we're trying to have a sense of humor about it, but Really, um, nobody wanted to have. They didn't want to have knockwurst and bratwurst. They didn't want to eat that food. And we had a big, thick pork chop that nobody wanted to go dancing and have a pork chop at two o'clock in the morning. They, just the whole thing was a recipe for disaster. Anyway, um, Gail Green came in. She was doing a whole, a whole article, whole story on supper clubs. That was the new thing. I guess this was like in the early 90s she was doing a whole thing on supper clubs so she came in nobody recognized her and she proceeded to just eviscerate this supper club like she said um the whole place could have been i guess they had cuckoo clocks and barrels and things she said it looked like it was built with a budget of like 2 or 3 $2.99 or something she just insulted everything she hated everything and she ordered the pork chop. Now, the pork chop, we made it very spicy. And it was uh, hot paprika-crusted pork chop. You know, granted, I'm Jewish. I don't know about pork chops. But I had a pretty good meat, meat guy who was grilling it. And we were fairly proud of it. So we sent out our hot paprika-crusted pork chop. So she wrote this horrible review. And she said, well, you know, this was sort of okay. She didn't terribly insult some of the other things, but she got to the pork chop, and she said that the pork chop seemed like it's been a week in Chernobyl, and if you don't know what Chernobyl is, Google it, because you may be too young, but sort of like a, a week in a nuclear fallout shelter, you know, anyway, um, and I, of course, I was horrified, it was a terrible thing, you know, my first bad review, I mean, it was just very painful and horrifying, and so, Right after we, I, we opened and we did all the previews and, you know, so much work, I went away with my friend, Anne-Marie, to Nevis, which is a beautiful tropical island, for my well-deserved vacation. Really just so upset about what happened with Gail Green. And I started to relax, and I started to get over it, and we took a sailboat. And we went with this island guy who had no teeth, and he... Um, didn't seem to have anything modern he didn't I don't even think he had a phone he had a um old radio and really I didn't I don't even know if he knew what year it was but he was the one who was captaining this boat and he took us out in the boat and we're out there in the middle of the ocean and just having a wonderful time and I'm forgetting all about it and so he says what you do in the big city man and I said oh I um I'm a chef of a German supper club called Wunderbar. And he goes, oh, are you the one that Gail Green said your pork chops spent a week in Chernobyl? <laughs> Kid you not, I almost wanted to jump into the ocean, except that he told me now that the sun went down, the sharks were out. And if he had told me that before, I never would have gotten in the dam boat in the first place. But of course, later on, I found out that my friend Anne-Marie put him up to it. And he didn't know who Gail Green was or Chernobyl or any of that, but that was about the funniest joke anyone ever played on me in my life. What was the moral of all that? Well, the moral of all that is just be nice. Be kind, be nice, have love, don't make snotty, uptight food. And if you're a restaurant critic and you have to write a bad review, don't be such a jerk about it. Just, you know, keep your heart and soul. But the real moral of the story is after that happened, I renamed the pork chops Gale's Chernobyl pork chops and they became our best seller. Now, if that's not a lesson in life, I don't know what it is. So when life gets you down, just make Gale's Chernobyl pork chops. You know what I mean? And when Valentine's Day comes around, just make it a day of love and get rid of all the pressure because life's too short. You know, you know what I'm saying? So here I am with the ocean, and you're listening to the ocean. I'm sipping my cavassier. I'm sharing love with you. And we have a great lesson in life. But think about that. Gail could have ruined my life. But instead, I had a fabulous vacation. And we came up with a name for the pork chops that made them our bestseller. And it's a funny story for me to tell the rest of my life. And whenever I tell the story of what happened to people who knew her... They just love it. They're like, you turned that around, great. I mean, other people probably wanted to just jump off a bridge, you know? And I kind of wanted to jump in the ocean, but not with the sharks, okay? I'm brave, but I'm not that brave, you know? Anyway, thank you, Vivi, for sharing Valentine's with us. Thank you, Lila, for my flowers. And thank you to you for listening and for being awesome and for knowing that food is love. And so are you. Happy post-Valentine's Day.